Welcome to Basecamp, an Ethnos 360 MK Care podcast. I'm Steve Swope, and I'm here with Pete Ammerman, and we're your hosts for this podcast. We're part of the MK Care team for Ethnos 360, and our team exists to assist our MKs and their families by providing care and resources to help them thrive in the transitions that come hand in hand with ministry life. At the end of today's podcast, we'll give you information on how you can connect with us. We're glad you're joining us today. Bible teacher Paul Tripp has written, For the Christian who finds their hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ, change doesn't take place in big dramatic moments. Rather, the transforming work of grace operates in 10,000 little moments of life more than it does in a series of two or three life-altering events. Now, are the life-altering events significant? Absolutely. That's why they're called life-altering. But the quality of your life and the character of your person is primarily shaped and defined by the 10,000 little decisions, desires, words, and actions you make every day. Even when we do experience a life-altering event, we have 10,000 little moments to respond to it. Today's guest illustrates that with a devotional he shared at one of our MK retreats last summer. We're here with Cody Castle today. Hi, Cody. Yeah, hey, Steve. How are you, sir? Good to be here. We're glad you're here with us today. Absolutely. It's an honor. Well, we're so excited to have you on, Cody. And we've we've gotten to know you over the years. And uh, you're, you grew up in Indonesia, at least for part of your life. And then your parents were and are still at the training center in Missouri. So you got to spend some time there. And we were, we were going back and forth on when we exactly met. And it's kind of funny. So let's see. We, we decided it was 2016, right? That's when we... We actually met. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2016. We weren't sure if it was 2014, 15, or 16, but it's it's been a long time. Been a long time. That's right. So we had an MK retreat and well, you weren't super excited to come. What happened? No, not at all. Yeah. At the time I was living in Missouri at the training center and I, man, just I've always been the kid that was too cool for school. And I heard about a retreat that was happening, and I'd never wanted to go to one of those. Even back in Indonesia, we would have versions of retreats, and I went against my will. So I heard about a retreat going on, totally didn't want to go. However, one of my great childhood friends from Indonesia was evidently going to be there. Sean Palmer, uh, shout out to the Palmers. But Sean Palmer was going to be in attendance. So I was like, well, I don't I won't I don't really want to go to the retreat, but I'm definitely going to go up and say hi to Sean. So I came up to the retreat location, saw Sean, got introduced to you, Pete, um, met some friends there. And I mean, what happened? Ended up hanging out for like three extra days. Beyond uh, the end of the retreat, yeah. <laughs> beyond the end of the retreat, just getting to know you. And uh, and that's that's where I started. So, and we've I've been very grateful. I'm glad, I'll just put it this way. I'm glad Sean was there and that um, at least for one reason or another, we got connected because that's that was the start of just a wonderful relationship um as friends as um a mentee to you you've definitely grown into a role model for me both of you guys steve and pete you guys are role models for me so i'm very grateful for that unexpected 
originally undesired visit to that <laughs> MK retreat. Well, and what's fun is now you're on our our retreat staff. <laughs> so now you're interning and coming and helping us run retreats. So it's it's pretty fun, isn't it? How the tables have turned. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Well, we're very glad to have you, Cody. And you know, you came and you shared a devotional this last summer to the participants at the retreat, and it was powerful. And you also turned that into an article that we were able to put up on our website and allow other people to see. And we were able to put it in a magazine now. And so it's, you know, just really great uh, story you have. And we just wanted to continue to spread that. And so we're really excited to have you on today just to share a little bit more about it. And Maybe could you share a little bit for us, just kind of a little bit about your childhood and even into some of your college years? Yeah, man, definitely. I, I was born and raised in Indonesia, went to school, mostly at international schools, did some homeschool there, but on the island of Sulawesi. So I don't know if many of you know, but right kind of in the middle of Indonesia, funky looking island called Sulawesi. And on the north side of that is a city called Manado. And I was born there, born in Manado, grew up in a small town, which was kind of like, because my parents were missionaries on what was kind of like the missionary training center for Indonesians, basically. So Indonesians would come to the missionary training center, and then they would go and be sent out as missionaries to their own people, usually. So that's kind of where I grew up, grew up around Indonesians my whole life and learned how to speak English and Indonesian just kind of simultaneously as I learned to talk. But that was my, that was my background. Grew up playing in the mud, you know, playing in the rain, uh, playing soccer in the rain, uh, going to the beach, uh, making friends with people from many, many different cultures. That's awesome. And so how did your story go as you uh, graduated and headed out of Indonesia? What did that look like? To answer that question, I have to even take it a step, one more step back. I grew up, like I said, in Manado, but then for high school, my parents had the opportunity to start a different ministry on a different island of Indonesia. A really cool story. My dad actually got to partner with one of his former students who came through the missionary training center and they then got to partner as co-workers in starting a new ministry on a different island. So for high school, we moved from Sulawesi, from Manado, we moved to Papua. And I went to high school in Papua at Hillcrest International. And that was a move that I totally didn't want to do. Mm. But that was a move that yielded some of the most meaningful and deep friendships that that I still have to this day. So just great, great years at Hillcrest, making some of the best friends I have in life. So I just had to mention that because that was an unexpected move. But that was so similar to how we touched on it, just an unexpected visit to an MK retreat yielded one of my favorite relationships like with you guys now. I've had those in the past as well. I didn't want to move to Papua, but it ended up being one of the most special moves and special changes that I've had in my life. So after just amazing years of high school, you know, all the high school drama, just like anyone else, 
played sports. It's a it's a mission field. So much fun. Uh, but after that, I graduated and moved to a place I had never heard of in the States, a college I had never heard of. And that was John Brown University in Arkansas. So I went to John Brown solely based on the recommendation of my dorm parents. Basically, that was their alma mater. And the internet was so bad at the time in Papua that I only did one college application. That's the only college I had really I had ever heard of because I wasn't really a student who was thinking of college early on. I, I enjoyed, you know, the sports and the social aspect of school, but I just I had to work hard for good grades. I'll put it that way. It wasn't my favorite. I only did that one application. And it was either going to be I get accepted and go or we'll figure it out. So I that's how I ended up at John Brown. Had a great time there, but my I would say my bad habits from high school carried over and I was not the best student. Again, had a wonderful experience in <laughs> in university, making friends, doing all of the as much uh, sports activities as I could be a part of, hangouts, um, study groups were more about the groups than the studying, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, after, after some time at John Brown University studying nursing, I pivoted. After three semesters there, I didn't go back to school for a number of reasons, but definitely the academics played a part in that. I moved back to Missouri, where my parents were at the time at the training center. And from that point on, I just dove into the working world a little bit of a non-traditional route. So I just dove into working as many jobs as I could. At one point, three jobs at a, that I had at one time. And I would work 13 mornings in a row and every single night. I had every other, I think it was every other Sunday morning off. But that was my kickstart into the working world. So just picture that. I'm just working constantly. I reconnect with well I never lost connection with my college friends but during that season of just working a lot I had a particular conversation with one of my buddies from school and he invited me basically to move back to Arkansas and live with him and three others so it was going to be the four of us in a house and basically the invitation was just to come back and just do life there because one thing that was lacking for my time in Missouri was just that social aspect that I love so much. It's a big part of who I am is just connecting with people my age. And at the time in Missouri, that aspect wasn't being fulfilled. So I jumped on the opportunity, moved to back to Arkansas. I got a job working at, believe it or not, working at a Cherokee casino just across the border in Oklahoma. I don't think I mentioned this, but my heritage, my background is a Cherokee. I'm a Cherokee Indian. So my mom's a full-blooded Native American. Uh, she's from the Cherokee tribe. And so I'm half Cherokee. And something I wanted to do was get around the Cherokee culture for the first time. Because growing up in Indonesia, I never really experienced the Cherokee side of my, you know, my family background. 
So I just, and I just say that because that's why I wanted to work at the casino. It wasn't anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't love casinos or the idea of it. You know, um, that was just happened to be a nearby place that had a bunch of Cherokee people at it. So I started working at the casino as a, as a blackjack dealer. Now, blackjack is a gambling game. Ask your parents about it. But I was the card dealer for that game. The reason I mentioned that is because this was a pivotal time in my life for one reason. And this is why I'm sharing this. So I hope you take this away. Through this time frame, working at the casino, living in Arkansas, I learned the hard way, the power of association. Hmm. Who I associate with, who you associate with, has a huge impact on your life, on your thought life, on your speech life, on your behaviors, just on your life overall. So I learned the power of association when I was associating with or spending time with, to, to put it a different way, when I was spending time with my university friends, it was, you know, very wholesome. We would have fun in healthy ways. And when I was spending time with my, or when I was in my work environment, it was very unhealthy ways of having fun that I was surrounded by. So at the time, or at the start, there were two different associations that I had with my good friends from school, very healthy, and association with, you know, they were good people, but they didn't necessarily have good habits. And I was um, surrounded in that world. The big change happened when all of my friends graduated college and moved away. I then only had one side of that dichotomy. I lost my association of healthy friends and, you know, going to church, doing Bible studies, spending time in the word as a, with, as a group, as friends, to now only being inundated by an environment that was not healthy. Now, it was something that I recognized. And you know what I told myself was, I see what's going on. I'm not going to be a part of it. But here's another tidbit that I came to find out was an environment will affect a person more heavily than a person will affect an environment. Mm -hmm. When I was the only person there who had, you know, healthy habits, as much as I wanted to, as much as I tried to be a light without being filled up myself, only giving, I ran out of things to give very quickly. And then I was just being filled up by my surroundings. So, you know, by my friends who would go out drinking after work, or they would, on the weekends, maybe they would be going to casinos themselves and gambling instead of just working at the casino. So to fast forward a little bit, in about a six to nine month time frame, from when the time my friends graduated and left, and I only had one set of association, Six to nine months later, I woke up knee deep in a lifestyle that I knew I didn't want to be a part of six to nine months ago. And Steve, man, to kind of circle back to that quote you said, I can't agree with that more because it wasn't one big decision. Mm. After my friends graduated and moved out, it wasn't one big decision to just dive into a certain unhealthy lifestyle. It was little by little. 
one compromise here, small compromise there. You know, well, it's just what everybody's doing. Yeah, I went to church on Sunday. You know, this is Wednesday. It's a little bit different. I'll, you know, I'll go to church. Yeah. So you start making these small compromising decisions. And for me, that led to a slippery slope where when I turned around and looked back at my journey, I was looking at a mountain of a difference. So that was another opportunity for me to have a pivot moment, have a turning point. And thankfully, by God's grace, you know, God is faithful and he's chasing after us even when at times I was running away from him. He was still waiting for me uh, with arms open. And, you know, I, I believe God uses circumstances and maybe relationships and people and his faithfulness to always bring us back to him. And for me, when I referenced that wake up moment, that was a conversation with one of my great friends who I was living with before. Now, he's a lifelong friend today. He's my, my best friend in life. But he just through a conversation with him, he texted me out of the blue one day. I still remember it vividly. He said, Cody, what are you doing? And in my mind, you get a text like that and you think, you mean tonight? You're like, you mean this weekend? You know, like what's going on? This What's happening right now? And he said, no, man, what are you doing with your life? And that was a wake up moment. That That's the wake up moment that I referenced moments ago. But it got me thinking, man, what am I doing? <laughs> Hang on a second. That's what got me to turn around and look look back at how much ground I had really covered in terms of moving in a direction that I didn't want to move. And so that sparked a, a longer conversation with Josh that led me to another big move, which was moving from Arkansas to Indiana, where Josh was at the time. And the reason for that was what I talked about just a bit ago was association. I was reminded that association matters. You know, who you're spending your time with matters. So I moved to Indiana because when I talked with Josh, he would talk about the books he was reading, the conversations he was having with his friends, with his family. And those conversations sounded a lot different than the conversations I was having at the time with my friends. And the books I was reading, I wasn't reading any books. <laughs> I wasn't developing myself. I wasn't learning anything at the time, but how to get away with things I shouldn't be getting away with. So I moved to Indiana for many reasons, but the biggest one being to take back control of my association and to start being inundated with positive things and healthy things and godly things again. Shortly after moving to Indiana, I had the, you know, had the realization, okay, I probably need to get a job or get some kind of funding for my life. Because another part of moving to Indiana was I realized that the dreams I had when I was younger, I had put on the back burner. The reason for me coming to the States, the dreams I had when I was graduating high school and coming into university 
the dreams I had for a future family, a future life, all of these big ideas that I had, I had totally put on the back burner. And I replaced those big dreams with a big amount of just complacency. So shortly after moving to Indiana, I realized I probably needed a way to fund my life, just you know, <laughs> living day to day. And so unlike before, where I just wanted a fun job, something to, something to do during the day, I started to think through it a little bit. So I found a job in finance. I work for a bank now. So now we're, now we're current. I work for... It's actually the sixth largest bank in the United States. And so, but that's totally boring. But the point is the reason I chose that was I had some criteria that I wanted to have in, in a job, in a what I was going to be doing for a majority of the day. And basically that was, I wanted something that I could build upon. I wanted something that I could have a big opportunity to learn from. And I wanted something that I could plan the rest of my day around. So kind of like dependable scheduled hours. So the job itself, to me, didn't matter as much as meeting those criteria. The job just happened to be what fit those and some other criteria that I was looking for. So that's my my day to day now is I live in Indiana. I work in finance. And I go to a wonderful church and I serve on their youth team, specifically with us fifth and sixth graders. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a handful. It's a handful. But it's a, it's a blast as well. So in, a, in addition to all of that, um, I work with partners in business development. The reason for that is as much as I love and appreciate having a great job. I also know that the job itself won't fund some of those big ideas that I had that I referenced before. So in addition to just day-to-day -day life at work and at church, I'm also developing a business and a ministry to get into some of that future, some of those future big ideas. That's so fantastic, man. And it's been a big journey. It's been a lot of different ups and downs over the years. And it's just incredible to see what God's doing with you. And uh, so here's another question for you. What what has your transition felt like living in an Indonesia context to into America? You know, what was that like for you? How's that transition been? Man, great question. Um, the, the transition, it's had its ups and downs, but the way I look at it, the downs just turn into funny stories. <laughs> uh, for for example, fresh fresh into college, me and some friends went out to to grab lunch, and it was myself, one of my friends by the name of Grant, and two of our friends who grew up in Colorado. They were from Colorado, USA, born and raised, never really had left the United States never really had left Colorado until they came to university. So they were going through a big transition as well, but maybe not as big as myself and Grant, who was a missionary kid in Papua New Guinea. So picture this, right? Two MKs going out to lunch with two American born and raised kids. 
lunch is great. We're out. We always have a great time. The bill comes. This is where it gets interesting because the waiter brings the bill and me and Grant totally have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> we, we had asked the, the waiter to split the check, which just meant that everyone was going to be paying for their own food. I, I didn't even know that was an option. Okay, so that was one thing. And Grant and I were looking at the bill that came, which it's, it's just like this receipt with some numbers on it. And it's got the total amount that you owe. And there's also a line that says tip. And me and Grant didn't know what to do with that. So we're looking at this. We're like, you know, kind of talking to each other, looking at each other. Like, do you know what to do here? <laughs> no. Do you know what to do here? Definitely not. And our, our friends, our American born and raised counterparts, they filled it out, signed it pretty easy, pretty standard. And our friend Justin, she asked us, what are you guys doing over there? And naturally we we're like, man, we're trying to figure out how to pay this bill. <laughs> not, <laughs> not in the terms of we got to come up with the bunny, but we, it's basically this tiny form that we don't know how to fill out. And she said, what's, what's the matter with you? Did you grow up in the jungle or something? <laughs> and we looked at each other looked back at her and was like yeah <laughs> as a matter of fact we did and you know it, it, we all laughed you know it was a good time and they they helped us they helped us figure out what tipping was at a restaurant and um that led to many more you know great lunches but just <laughs> something we we totally were bamboozled by but you know Thankfully, you know, we, we had some good friends that helped us walk through it. Love it. So transitions like that, man, and that's just one example, but you get those all the time. And the way I look at it, you can, you can go about it two ways. It can be a challenge that's frustrating. And granted, that's going to be a reality regardless. There's going to be frustrating times. But if you look at it as an adventure, as something to learn, something to figure out, so first would be just having a good attitude about whatever it is, whatever the transition is you're going through. And then the second part of that is having good friends around to help you out. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's something I came to find out later on was everyone's trying to figure it out just the same. Now, some of my friends who were born and raised in, in the States, they became a great asset to me, not just as friends, but because even though they're trying to figure out things too, they also had already figured out a lot of the stuff that I was still working on. Mm -hmm. So transitions were, for me, I always just tried to have fun with it. And a part of that was, again, just I, I remembered back on the, the different times where change happened in my life. And I didn't want change to happen. But hindsight's twenty twenty, And I could look back and just remember that, you know what, those actually turned out pretty great. And thankfully, somewhere along the line, by the time I was coming back to the States, I just had that attitude. There's going to be change. There's going to be things I have to figure out. But that's the case for everybody. So I could either be frustrated about it or I could have a positive attitude and make it an adventure, try to figure things out and try to have a fun time all the while. What a good way to see it, man. What a good way to go through that. 
Cody, we sure appreciate you sharing all this about your background and letting us get to know you and letting our listeners get to know you a little bit more too. Just really appreciate that. And last year when you were interning with us, I remember sitting down on the point at the training center in, in Missouri and while you did a devotional for us. And you talked about an important intentional relationship and you put it in such a unique way that it, that it really stuck with us. But your topic was resounding with the students and, and with the staff that was there listening to you too. Can you share about that one important relationship that you talked about? Yeah, Steve, absolutely. And by the way, for anyone listening, if you've been, you know, if you haven't been, I hope you get the chance, but the retreat Steve is referencing is total 10 out of 10 would recommend the first chance you get to go. Uh, we had a blast at the last retreat and really looking forward to the next one. But that talk was about something I was learning at the time and really had been learning over the past few years, which was we are always in relationship with our future self. There's always a, there's a, like there's always a relationship between who I am today and who I'm going to be 5, 10, 20 years from now. So as relationships go, I mean, I think we could all agree relationships are important. But something I had been learning was just that one of the most important relationships that I'm going to have is the relationship I have with myself. And particularly the relationship I have between who I am today and who I'm going to be. And one of the ways that you really brought that in was you were talking about how uh, as you respect yourself, you need to build your discipline of, and you you put it as the three gates. And, and we love that. Can you share a little bit more and kind of unpack the three gates for us? Yeah, absolutely. And, and even to just to take a moment on that, what I mean by respecting my future self is, is just that. So if, if, we're, if I'm always in relationship with my future self, do I want to just ask yourself this? Do I want to respect my future self or do I want to disrespect my future self? Because I've definitely been in seasons of life where I've disrespected my future self, i.e., you know, making decisions that didn't get me closer to who I wanted to be and who I would say who God wanted me to be. So that that's where I was coming from with just the, the necessity and the reason why, the reason behind the need to respect my future self. And, and basically, the, the three ways to do that, that I've come across, that I've learned, it stems from a verse here in Proverbs, Proverbs 4, 23. A lot of you know this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So if I want to respect my future self, right here, based on this verse, something that I would want to do is guard my heart. And basically, the three gates come from, if my heart is what I need to guard, what does that look like? So for me, the, the three gates are me guarding what I let into my heart. That's kind of where that's coming from. And so for me, those are the ear gate, the eye gate, and the mouth gate of my life, of my heart, if you will. If you just think of everything in the world being external and my heart being internal and picture there being a gate of what I allow the external, how much of it and what content of it to come into my life, into my heart. For me, a lot of that 
is going to be coming through my eyes, what I'm, you know, what I'm looking at, what am I just seeing day to day, but particularly what am I looking at with attention, what, what's going through my heart by what I allow through my eye gate, the ears, I mean, and the key to all of this is it's really simple. Like, I love this so much because it's not complex, it's simple, it's also so important. So everything that I'm going to be referencing here, it's really easy to do. It's also really easy not to do. That's the key with how simple it is. It's really easy to guard my eye gate. It's really easy to guard my ear gate, my mouth gate. But it's also just as easy to not to and just to let anything external come internal without any filters. I found for me, especially when I came back to the States and my environment wasn't guarded for me necessarily by my parents or by the missionary community on base or in tribe, when I had to dictate my environment. And I mean, just throw back to the story from a few minutes ago, I had choices to make and there was a time in my life when I wasn't guarding these gates. So for me, big key to respecting my future self, having a good relationship with my future, who God wants me to be, came down to just filtering everything that's external, making sure the things that come internal are things that are in support of or get me closer to the person that God wants me to be. Cody, what you've been saying is just really so important. And I think it's something that we all need to take attention to and be really intentional about guarding what comes into our life. I found over the years, and I'm sure other people have, that our default, if we just allow it, our circumstances to control what we're doing, is never to slide toward Jesus Christ. It's, it's always to slide away and to do our own thing. And that affects our life trajectory. And you talked about a couple of things that two major factors that can affect your life trajectory. Um, you said that what you read and who you spend your time with has a major impact on your life's trajectory. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, the way it was said to me was the two biggest determining factors of where and who you'll be in life are the books you read and the people you associate with. And when I heard that for the first time, that was the first time it had been put into words about the power of association. And I automatic, it automatically clicked because I had learned the practical way, the power of association back earlier on. And so when he said that, that part clicked. I was like, okay, that makes sense in my mind. And you know what? If that part makes sense, I'm betting the other part is probably true too in terms of what I'm reading, which, like I said before, I w I'm not a big reader. School wasn't my thing. I didn't enjoy reading. In third grade, I had to take a special class to catch up with reading, you know, just reading skills. And so when I heard that part, that was, that was new for me. But I took it to heart because I knew the second part was, was true. I knew that who I spend my time with would be largely impactful. And so from that day forward, I took reading uh, to heart. And for me, it wasn't just reading, which there's nothing wrong with this. I applaud, <laughs> I applaud you, anyone who's already doing it. But it wasn't necessarily just reading fiction 
her stories, but it was coming back to guarding my eye gate. What am I focusing on through my eyes? That kind of directed me to filter what I was reading. So from, from that point on, what I wanted to focus on was taking something external, i.e. a book, putting it internal, my heart, and I wanted to guard my heart by guarding my eye gate, by reading something that would be uplifting. So whether that was a book that was geared towards personal development or whether that was a book that was geared towards having better relationships with others or a book on communication or a book on how to study the word or a book on finances, on managing personal finances, a book on the power of positive thought life, a book on how to talk to myself. Those are the kinds of books that I got my hands on and for me have a big impact in my life through reading. That's that's what it came down to. I thought of it this way, replacing what was going through my eye gate with, for me, this isn't everyone, but for me, I had to replace what was going through my eye gate because it was social media, it was the news, it was magazines, and there's nothing inherently wrong about those things, but they were going through my eye gate so often and so much that they were affecting my life. And so for me, when it came to reading, being a, having a big effect on my life and who I'm going to be, that's what I mean. By the way, a, a point to that, all of this, what I'm sharing with you, came from association. It came from people who I associated with who taught me this stuff. Guys, I mean, I'm not a genius. I'm not this special guy. I just got around people who filled me up with this stuff that's made a huge impact in my life. Man, I love it. And one of the things, one of the things you said this summer, you know, sitting by a bonfire, right? You know, with the lake. And one of the things you said was what is to come is what you put into yourself now. And I just, I love that. And I took that personally myself and, and really, really gleaned a lot from that. So thank you, man. Thank you for bringing that to uh, the participants and being willing to even bring it today because it's it's so important. And do you have any other thoughts? Do you have any things uh, just that if you were, you know, you're, you're talking to someone right now who's getting ready to graduate, coming off the field, coming back to the U.S., going to college or going to a gap year, what would you say to them at this point that you haven't said yeah. already? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, if, if I could say anything, uh, if I could say something to my past self, I'll put it that way. So maybe this isn't for you. Maybe it is. But if I could just tell my past self something, it would be this. Don't try to fit in. Yeah, that's a, I could go on a whole tangent on that. Why would you want to fit in anyway? Trust me, as an MK, I get it. Maybe we're coming to a new place you want to fit in. But on the flip side of that coin, why don't you just go ahead and stand out and stop fitting in? Why don't you go ahead and just be different? Be who God's called you to be and let that be different. And I'll kind of elaborate on that or conclude that with this. I'll phrase it as a question that was posed to me. What's your content and what's your measure? What's your content and what's your measure? I, what's the content that you're going to fill yourself with? And what's your measure? What are you measuring yourself by? Because if, if your content is just what the world wants it to be, 
if you let the world dictate what your content is, you know what result you're going to get. The same result that the world has, which in, in my limited experience isn't great. What are you letting into your lives? And what's your measure? By that, I mean this. What are you measuring yourself by? Are you measuring yourself by how similar you are to the culture? Are you measuring yourself by your peers, your friends? Are you measuring yourself by how different you are? Because even with what I just said, why don't you just not fit in and be yourself? Are you measuring yourself with how different you are from the world? Or are you measuring yourself by how similar you are to Jesus? And just to throw in a, what's a big word for me is sanctification. That whole process is about becoming like Jesus. And we're never going to be perfect. But for me, I just had to figure out, why don't I let that be my measure? Instead of Mm. just trying to be different from the world, why don't I focus on trying to be like Jesus? You know what? As a result, I'm different from the world and I do stand out. And that's something that I found and I believe you'll find is going to draw people to you. Because on a surface level, people are drawn to what the masses are doing. But on a deeper level, people are drawn to something radically different than what the majority of the world is doing. People are drawn to peace. People are drawn to joy. People want to be around other people who lift them up instead of just dragging them down, which is all those negative things are exactly what they're getting, hanging out with the masses, being around what the world tells them to be around. Whereas if our measure is how similar we can be to Jesus, for one, we're not distracted by what the world is doing. We're not trying to fit in based on trends or external factors. And two, we get an amazing opportunity to be a light to a hurting world just by being different. Amazing, Cody. We really appreciate what you've shared with us. A lot of wisdom. And and we're sure that this is going to, it's helped Pete and I, I'm sure, (laughs) but -hmm. it's going to be helping everybody listening in too. We appreciate that. Let's flip it a little bit. Um, You've given us some help. How can we and people listening in pray for you today? Oh, absolutely. And and thank you so much. And and no, seriously, you guys really have become role models for me in, in the most healthy way. It's just an honor to just get to chat with you guys and hang out any time with you guys is, is highly appreciated. One big way to be praying for me is uh, just pray for guidance and what the Lord has next. I alluded to big ideas and big dreams. The beautiful thing about those is I have no idea how they're going to work out. <laughs> I have no idea how they're going to come together. I trust that God's leading me in the right way. So just pray for guidance in terms of what's the next step. Awesome. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much, Cody, for, for joining us today for this episode. And we want to say thank you to all of you for joining us as well. It's our hope that today's topic on respecting your future self has been a help for you. And if you'd like to comment on today's podcast, if you have any questions, if you'd like info on what our team can offer, or if you'd just like to say hello, buenos dias, bonjour, guten tag. Hey, and what is it in Indonesian? I would say hello, apa kabar. There we go. You can always connect with us at mkcare at ntm.org. 
You can also find us and our Facebook handles on Facebook and Instagram, Ethnos360MKCare, and our website, which is kind of our one-stop shop for everything, mkcare.ethnos360.org, and all the resources that we have there for you. Our MK Care program is register and opt-in based. So parents, make sure you're registering your, your children. And if you have MKs that are 13 and older, they can also register for their own access to the website. Lastly, just to highlight a few things that are coming up, we've got a couple events to put on your radar. One is re-entry programs are coming up this summer and we could not recommend them more. And in fact, we even offer grants. So we've got financial aid available. So definitely check in if you're MK that's graduating high school this year, we definitely want to help you with that. And then we've got our retreats this year. Cody, you'll be there, right? You'll be there with us. 100% we'll be there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've got two of them. We've got a high school one. That's June 18th through 21st. And then we have one for young adults, which is about 18 to 26 years old. And that is June 23rd through 26th. And both of those will be at the training center in Missouri. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, this is Pete and Steve and Cody. And we will see you alongside on the journey. <laughs>